Welcome back to the Teach for the Heart podcast, where we tackle teaching challenges from a biblical perspective. Why are we here? Because we don't believe that our spiritual walk and teaching profession should exist in two separate domains. Rather, the hope we have in Christ should change how we approach everything, not just at home, but at school as well. So join us as we explore both the spiritual and practical sides of key teaching challenges, integrating them together so we can succeed at teaching, glorify God, and make a lasting difference in our students' hearts and lives. This episode is brought to you in partnership with the Herzog Foundation, and we're so excited to continue our series on Worst Advice Ever, where we are debunking bad teacher advice. Last week, we talked about the advice, believe in yourself, you are enough, and talked about why that's actually not a good philosophy and what is better. So if you missed that, you'll want to go back and pick up that episode. It's really, I hope, going to be helpful for you. This week, though, we're going to talk about common advice we get in relationship to student behavior, and that is don't sweat the small stuff. Raise your hand if you've ever heard this before. I'm sure your hand would be up. If not, it's up metaphorically, right? Don't sweat the small stuff. We're told this because the reality is there's often a lot of issues going on in the classroom, and some of them are really big. And so the advice says, let the little stuff go. Just focus on the bigger things, right? Don't sweat the small stuff. Sometimes we also hear the advice, pick your battles, okay? But here is the problem with that advice, or at least with how that advice is often applied. What happens then, and I have, this has totally happened to me, is, you know, we start off the year and, you know, there's just little things happening, like students are, you know, talking when they shouldn't be. Okay, we say, no big deal. I'll let it go. I'm not going to sweat the small stuff, right? And then, you know, there's a couple kids that are perhaps, you know, just putting their head down, not paying attention. Eh, Small stuff, not going to sweat it, right? Kid gets up, walks around the room, mm, small stuff, not going to sweat it, okay? And we're letting these little things go. Or we have a procedure, like we taught students the procedure for coming into the room and we said, you know, walk, don't run, go right to your desk, get started on the bell work, and a student runs into the classroom, mm, no big deal, don't sweat the small stuff. And we let these things go because truly they're not a huge deal. They're not causing a big problem at this point. They're small issues, okay? But... If you have ever done this, probably what happened to you is what happens to a lot of us. Unless you have a very good class that can handle a little more freedom, what normally happens in this case is that when we let little things go, the little things don't stay little. They grow and they become bigger and bigger and bigger, okay? So a little bit of talking that you just let go becomes more students talking, becomes students talking louder, becomes half the class talking, becomes the whole class talking. And, and you know, you find yourself in October looking out on your room and saying, oh my goodness, I, I can hardly teach. No one's listening to me. And now I have a big problem. And now I don't know what to do about it. Um, and so those little problems didn't stay little because we didn't nip them in the bud. So kind of the opposite advice that I think is a little more the direction we want to go is nip problems in the bud. One of the reasons why this is so, so key is because students naturally push boundaries. It is human nature, um, especially for that age, to just kind of push the boundary and try to figure out where actually is that line. And so if we as teachers when we let stuff go, when we say, ah, eh, 
It's small. I'm not going to worry about it. We are basically um, moving our line. We're saying that stuff is, you know, not over the line. It's okay. And and until we finally, like, if we let students keep pushing that line, pushing that line, pushing that line, pushing that line, it often ends up that the line is so far past where we ever wanted to be. And now we are dealing with really big issues. And that's not what we want. Another thing that's happening um, below, like, kind of behind the scenes here is intangible but really powerful. And it's that if we've told our students, if we've set expectations, but then we don't hold them to them. So in other words, if we say the procedure is walk, don't run into the classroom. If the expectation is when I'm teaching, that's not a time when you're talking, okay? Or when you're working in small groups, your voice is at this level. If we say those things, but then we don't do anything when those lines are crossed, once again, first of all, the line is getting pushed, but students are also picking up on the fact that we don't actually mean what we say and that we're actually not going to hold them accountable to the expectations that we set. And when students sense that, They don't mean that what they say. They're not going to hold us accountable. They start pushing the envelope even further and further and quicker and quicker. And that's how you can end up in October going, oh my goodness, how did I get here? Okay. And you're listening to this now, right? In the middle of the school year going, whoa, I, this is crazy. Things are all turned around. They got way, issues got way bigger than I want them to be. And I mean this with absolutely zero judgment because this was 100% me. I did not know what to do when these little issues popped up. And so I was just like, eh, it's not a big deal. I'll let it go. And they completely grew and it completely got out of control. And then it was way way more challenging to rein it in. Is possible, is worth it, but a whole lot more challenging. So the question maybe then is, well, what exactly do we do? What would be better? Um, you know, if so so do we sweat the small stuff? And my advice is yes. We do sweat the sweat the small stuff. We need to hold students accountable in small things. When we do, it sets the tone in the opposite way of what I just described. It sets the tone for good. It says, I am serious about these expectations. I am going to hold you accountable. We're creating a classroom where we can focus and learn, and that's important, and we're going to prioritize it, okay? This happens procedures are really key in this area, right? If I say this is the procedure, you know, the example I keep giving is, you know, walk, don't run into the room. And when you come, you know, you think of your start a class procedure and all the things you want your students to do. If you kind of let them only half follow that procedure, once again, saying, eh, you don't really have to, I'm not really going to hold you accountable. You don't really have to do it. But if instead you say, no, I'm really going to insist that these procedures are actually followed, then that's a huge intangible for good saying, I mean what I say, right? This is serious. We're going to take this seriously. I'm going to hold you accountable. And that actually prevents a whole ton of issues. Because when you do it, deal with those issues while they're small, kids pick up on that pretty quickly and they realize, okay, the line is here. I can see it. It's pretty clear. Does that mean no one will cross the line? No, of course, kids are going to cross that line. But you, uh, the majority of your class will be around that line instead of being way over the line because they pushed it, you know, 100 yards in the wrong direction, okay? So hopefully that makes sense. One other thing I want to talk about in relationship to this before we will we will also get into uh, okay Linda but this is I'm listening to this in the middle of the year and it's too late to go back to the beginning now what we'll get to that in a minute here's one other thing I want to talk about and that is the advice pick your battles pick your battles 
It can be good advice or it can be really bad advice. Let me explain. Pick your battles is really bad advice if you use it to say, okay, I set this expectation in my classroom. I've told my students this is the expectation. This is how you're going to behave. But then when they don't do it, I pick my battles and don't don't deal with it. Does that make sense? That is bad advice because you said something and then you like just didn't follow through on it. Once again, the line is blurry. You know, students don't know where the line is. They're going to push it further. All those things we didn't talk about. That is not good. So you you we should not be picking our battles in the moment because we don't feel like dealing with something, okay? When we want to pick our battles is ahead of time, okay? Ahead of time, we want to decide where am I drawing the line in my classroom, okay? I think about it in relationship to talking. Is my expectations for my student that it be absolutely silent if I'm giving instructions? Or is my expectation that, you know, small whispers are okay at certain times? Or is it that I want to have a lot of collaboration in my class and so I want to allow more, you know, more talking? You get to choose where the line is. That's where you get to pick your battles, right? That is when you want to pick your battles ahead of time. And then you want to try to stick to that line as basically as consistently as possible. Now, there is one other time that picking your battles is wise, and that is in specific situations with specific students, okay, where that, you, that you're that you working with on many things and you might sense, I'm seeing so much progress, this is a little thing, I am truly going to let that go. So I'm not saying there's no space for mercy, no space to let something go. But I think if, you're any, if your personality is anything like mine, sometimes there's a tendency to just not want to deal with stuff. And so um, picking your battles, be very careful about just choosing to let something go where you've set an expectation and just, you know, kind of grabbing that phrase, well, I'm picking my battles. Okay, that's that's typically not great advice. You want to set the line where you think you can maintain it. And that's going to work so much better overall. All right, we're going to take a quick break. When I come back, though, we're going to deal with the question, okay, Linda, I get this, but it's the middle of the year, so and it's too late. I already I already let stuff go. I already didn't sweat the small stuff. I already have been, I've been in the habit of picking my battles way too much. Now what? So we'll get to that right after this quick break. Our partners at the Herzog Foundation want to make sure that Christian teachers get the recognition they deserve. That's why they're giving out 12 awards this year to teachers who embody excellence in Christian education. Let the Herzog Foundation know who you think should be one of the 2024 Christian Teachers of the Year. Visit HerzogFoundation.com slash awards to fill out a nomination form. K-12 teachers in the U.S. in Christian schools are eligible for nomination. Now, back to the show. All right, welcome back. We're going to deal with the question of it is the middle of the year. I have not been sweating the small stuff and I'm reaping that. So now what? Well, this is where a classroom management plan is so valuable and it's valuable in the beginning of the year, but it's valuable now as well. You need clarity around what to expect from your students and where to place the line. Okay, so stopping and thinking about what actually do I expect? Where do I want to place the line? Where do I want to, you know, pick my battles as it were? Then you also need a plan for what you're going to do and what you're going to say when students cross the line in various areas. 
This helps you be consistent and it prevents a lot of issues. So I want to encourage you to make a plan like this. And if you're wondering how to do that, um, in a minute, I'm going to share with you a resource that I think will be a really big help for you. Actually, I'll go ahead and share. Classroom Management 101, we walk you through this process step by step and actually help you create your plan and all of the parts and give you all the advice and help that you need for it. So if you're like, yes, I need a plan like that. I want help creating it, teachfortheheart.com slash CM101 for Classroom Management 101. Um, You can get all the information about that program. So first of all, making a classroom management plan. Number two, a classroom shakeup can help create a reset. So a classroom shakeup, what you do is you do something tangible in your classroom to kind of get students' attention and for them to say, okay, things are different. I need to pay attention. Um, What you're doing is creating like a little bit of a reset. So you know how the beginning of the school year is kind of that a little bit magical time where students aren't quite sure what's going on, everything's new and exciting, and you can implement new procedures and expectations. Well, when you do a classroom shakeup, that's what you're doing. You're trying to create a reset, doing something tangible that will get the students' attention. So for example, one teacher I had, um, her students were having all kinds of issues with hanging up their coats. They were getting into all kinds of fights and trouble at the coat rack, and it was a movable coat rack. So the teacher actually took the coat rack and like hid it in the closet so that then when the students came, they're like, where's the coat rack? And they were all, you know, confused. It got their attention. And then the teacher could talk to them and say, okay, this is why the coat rack is gone because we've been having an issue and this is the expectation. And when we bring it out, we're going to do it this way from now on. And that can be a super helpful way to kind of draw a line in the sand and say, this was before, this is after, and after is going to be different. Um, And that can be super, super helpful. So because after the reset, that reset creates a brief window where the you kind of don't have quite as many issues because you literally just address this. And so then the first issue that pops up after that reset, you can be ready to sweat the small stuff to deal with that first issue. And when you do, that students see, oh, okay, maybe they're actually going to hold this line. And if you could do, if you're consistent with the first, you know, one, two, three, four, five times someone crosses the line, they start to see, oh, okay. I do see a distinct before the shakeup and after the shakeup. Things are different now and can, can really, really help. So if this sounds like something that you say, Linda, I need this. This is exactly what I need to do in my classroom. Um, there are some areas where I really, you know, kind of let things go. I didn't sweat the small stuff and and now it's, it's more chaotic than I want it to be. I want to encourage you to join us in our special workshop that we have coming up. It's going to be a 90-minute workshop and in it, we are going to help you plan a reset. You're actually going to plan your classroom shakeup reset during the workshop so that by the time you're done with the workshop, you will be ready to implement it the very next day if you want to. Um, So no additional homework afterwards. It's going to be awesome. So you can get all the details and sign up at teachfortheheart.com slash reset workshop. That's teachfortheheart.com slash reset workshop. I hope that you'll be able to join us in the upcoming workshop um, or in Classroom Management 101. And all of the notes and links from this episode you can find at teachfortheheart.com slash bad advice. I hope this has been an encouragement and a help to you as you consider that at Common Advice, don't sweat the small stuff. And what we're encouraging you to do with this series um, is to 
talk about it with another teacher. So share this episode with another teacher, either send them this episode or send them to teachfortheheart.com slash bad advice. Ask them, hey, can you listen to this episode? I want to talk about it with you and discuss it together because that extra discussion is really helpful in cementing the idea and kind of exploring it further. One other thing before we go that I want to ask your help with is it would be a great help to us and help more teachers find this podcast if you would leave a review for the podcast on either Apple Podcasts or Spotify or wherever you're listening to this. And last week I shared um, a positive uh, piece of a positive review that someone left recently. Today I wanted to share one of our one star reviews that we have on the podcast. There are not many one star reviews, but this is one of them. So K Teach Ten. The title of her review is So Bad, and the review says, I hate this. So if you agree with KTeach10, I'm sorry. I... I'm sorry you think the podcast is so bad, but if you disagree, I would encourage you to head over and leave a review um, that when people are looking, they can see um, and can help them get a good idea of what the podcast is about. Next week, we are going to be back with another episode, and this one will be pretty interesting because we're going to talk about the advice that happens, particularly a lot of public school teachers get this. This is not so common in Christian schools, but if you're a public school teacher, you've probably heard this before, which is check your religion at the door or leave your faith at home home. And we're going to talk about this and dive into, is that actually true? And is that actually what we should be doing? So I hope to see you again next week. And if you're a Christian school teacher, we invite you to listen as well and pass it on um, to a public school teacher that you know. This episode is brought to you in partnership with the Herzog Foundation. All views and opinions, however, are my own and do not necessarily necessarily reflect those of the Herzog Foundation. I can't wait to speak with you again next week. In the meantime, teacher, remember, God is at work in you and through you, and he's using you to make a difference. Keep your eyes on him and teach for the hearts.